And I think we're live now. I think I am. I was waiting for the extra ding. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Film Trooper Presents Film Marketing Fridays. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by Mr. David Goyer. Not really, no. Uh, David Goyer, in a recent podcast on The Nerdist, he was mentioning that Hollywood wants story un universes now. They no longer focus on making just one good movie. This is David Goyer. He's written everything from the Blade movie series, all the, the Dark Knight, um, um, Batman films, Dark City, Batman and Superman versus Superman coming out. So his world is, you know, understands the mega blockbuster world. But he's even admitting that the Hollywood suits and the studios, they're no long, longer looking for one movie. They're not, no longer looking for a trilogy. They all want some sort of story universe. Um, I think definitely inspired by what uh, Star Wars and Disney have done. So every other studio is trying to get in on, it, in, in on it. So what does this mean for us, the Uber independent filmmakers? Well, um, it's just the concept that Hollywood's in the business of license exploitation. They're not making movies. They're making story universes. And they, they want those universes to be able to exploit that license ad infinitum, like everything from merchandise to, you know, to TV shows or whatever it might be. And, you know, George Lucas is the perfect example of explaining that when he says that all the money's in the action figures. So we too, as an Uber independent filmmaker, can license our own uh, product, our own IP, if, as long as we exploit it, as long as we understand that's our business model. And you can learn more about that in the new book, How to Make and Sell Your Film Online and Survive the Hollywood Implosion While Doing It. It's available on Amazon as a paperback, uh, a Kindle book, and an audiobook. So just head on over to survivetheimplosion.com. That's survivetheimplosion.com. So today's episode is totally different than wasn't expecting coming out of left field here, but it's how to market yourself as a stunt performer. And I am joined today. First, let me click off this screen so you can see my big fat head. Hello, everyone. My name is Scott McMahon. I'm a fellow film trooper over at filmtrooper.com. And uh, today, my special guest is Matt Covert, um, who is a stunt coordinator, stunt driver, and who approached me online saying, hey, it'd be cool if I wrote like a, um, you know, a guest blog for Film Trooper or something about this topic. I go, you know, you should just come on on to the show and we can kind of just, you know, riff back and forth about this topic of, well, how would you market yourself as a stunt performer and what does that world look like? So welcome, Matt. So you want to say hi to everybody now. <laughs> now you're on hey, screen. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on, Scott. This is going to be fun. Definitely. Now, you're. Um, we were talking earlier, but where are you located right now? I'm in uh, uh, central Maine, USA, northeast USA. And I am over in Portland, Oregon. So we are complete different you know, spectrums of the, the country right now. But it's very cool that you're hanging out with me on a Friday night. Um, but you said some great you know, sort of bullet points. Uh, because I want to kind of pick your brain and what it's like to, you know, get work as a stunt performer, stunt driver, uh, become a stunt coordinator, and so on. So before we get too far down the line, can you give us a little bit about your bio and how you ended up? Was it first? Was your first love race car driving, and then it got into like movies, or vice versa? Uh, actually, it was the uh, it was the opposite. I I kind of started uh, in stunt driving. And uh, I, ended up, I, I went to a uh, professional stunt driving school in New Jersey, and uh, I, I did a bunch of different things. I, it did, did work, didn't work, and um, eventually passed around a demo that I made, and uh, it got picked up by a stunt coordinator who hired me for my first gig on the History Channel. Um, and it just kind of goes from there, and um, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll get into you know, how, how important you know, relationships are, but I, yeah, I yeah. still work with that same stunt coordinator you know, seven years later. So. Nice. And then, I, then I, yeah, then I started getting into race car driving. Two totally opposite driving worlds. Really fun. So, <laughs> definitely cool. So let's go through your questions. And uh, so I'm going to switch over uh, to the screen, so you might see black for a second. Okay, cool. So you see this. So tip number one, we're going to talk about. Well, what can you expect before jumping into the industry, and what to avoid? So let's ask you that. Like, what are the misnomers people have? if they're thinking about becoming a stunt performer, um, how would you uh, help us uh, with that number one tip? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the, uh, 
there are a couple things people need to, to understand, like, you know, right off the bat before, you know, before even jumping in. Um, and the first one is, uh, and I'm sure this is industry standard, regardless of what type of, you know, role you play in film, is just don't ever lie about what you've done or what you know or what you're capable of, because that stuff gets passed around so fast. It's such a small community. And uh, I think it was it was sometime last year, there was a girl who, who did a very small part in one of the Fast and Furious movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she made a big deal about how she was one of the stunt drivers and blah, blah, blah. And she wasn't. She never did any of that stuff. And, man, that got passed around the industry so fast. And she'll never, ever work again in film. Uh, yeah. Which is a huge bummer for her. Um, but, yeah, so – you definitely want to be totally honest about, you know, what you've done. Uh, and that's, that's just my, always my, the first thing I always say to people, um, cause people get excited and, you know, they don't understand that everyone knows everyone else. Like I, I'm in, you know, I'm local to Boston, which is where I get a lot of work. And there are a lot of people I've never even worked with in Boston, but I know everything about them. Um, you know, because the people I do know, we're always talking about, you know, who's doing what and stuff like that. So information travels very quickly. So, uh, you know, just keep that in mind. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. And, you know, the the film community is very small. Um, but when you break it down into an even smaller community, like stunt guys, there's probably, I don't know, probably 20 of us, you know, in the Boston area who get all the independent work. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's really important to keep your nose clean in that aspect. Yeah, it's fascinating. Fascinating. So let me, um, let me ask you. So yeah, the, your next question here, I'll just see my face here, but the, the tip number two, you were at, um, you brought up, like, well, how can you acquire the skills you need to get started? So like first number one was like, be aware it's a really small industry. So like oh, film, absolutely. pretty much a lot of people know each other in film. If you're working professionally, both in the independent sector into the studio system, really small, then you even smaller when it deals with the stunt performers, this, you know, uh, in that union per se. Um, are you union? No, um, uh, everything I've ever done is, uh, is non-union except for, except for one project, which I ended up getting a waiver on. Um, but I, honestly, if you're getting started, the place to go is independent film. Um, because there's just so much more competition for the union jobs. So. Yeah. Interesting. There you go. So the way to break in. So then how your tip number two that you wrote out here was how can you acquire the skills you need to get started? So like if, yeah. You know, if somebody wanted to, do they just go out in their backyard and jump off, you know, and have their buddy film them as they jumping off a roof or something? Yeah. I mean, like we've seen that. I mean, oh, I mean, the, the jackass oh, yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, no, uh, there's several years ago, I'm going to go ahead and say probably 15 or 20 years ago. It, it used to be really, really hard to acquire the skills you needed uh, to get into the uh, the stunt world because the community was even smaller then because they didn't have things like, you know, smartphones, the internet. So when you, when you made friends with somebody, um, you know, that was that, if you trusted the person you would work with them and people never really looked for new talent unless they really needed something on a film set. And that was the only place you could learn stuff was, um, actually getting on the film set. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then, um, some people started getting really clever and they started opening these, these great, you know, stunt schools, which would teach, uh, you know, teach anyone, whatever they needed to know to be successful in the stunt industry. And that's the route that I actually took. I went to a, uh, a school in Seattle. They taught us how to, I mean, we did everything. We, uh, they taught us how to uh, roll down stairs, uh, jump off of buildings. They set us on fire. We did ratchets and snares and air rams and all kinds of fun stuff. Best was well, probably almost a month, best month of my life. It was awesome. <laughs> What's the name of the school in Seattle? Um, international stunt school run by Dave Boucher. Um, he's a legend. I think he, I know he did some work in the original star Wars movie. He's been around, you know, mm-hmm. he, he knows this stuff, which is really cool. And he hires a lot of guys who know their stuff too. So, um, when I was there in 2008, uh, it, it was probably the best school worldwide to go and learn these things. Um, and I, and since then I've actually met a couple other people who've been to the school and those are some of the people I work with now. So, um, I mean, it's definitely a viable option for learning everything you need and actually going and getting work. So, hey, there you go. Yeah, right no, I just brought it up. I'm just because I'm here in Portland, Oregon, so it's just up the up the, oh, yeah, the highway in Seattle. So yeah, that's that's right in your neck of the woods for sure. Yeah, look at that. That is a great um, shot. There's somebody jumping, falling, and a bunch of people looking at him yeah. falling. <laughs> yeah, how, how could you not want to go do that? That just looks like too much fun. 
look how, I mean, how everybody's really good shape well maybe some of them are but anyway the uh <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, we can talk about we can talk about fitness all yeah. day long too uh and, and that plays a pretty pretty uh critical role in the uh, stunt industry too obviously so yeah definitely well let me ask you so your next tip or the next bullet point you had um was uh what tools do you need to successfully market yourself so this is yeah. film marketing friday so when we talk about this tool set, what in your experience have you seen um, help in terms of the marketing part of it? Because I mean, I mean, before we started, you were mentioning that maybe 90% of your time is marketing and then 10% of your time is actually doing the stunt. So um, yeah, 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 agreed. Yeah, um, especially when you're getting started, like, you know, it's not, it wouldn't be weird to work, you know, full time for, you know, two or three weeks just getting to know people and uh you know making friends and networking before you actually start getting paying work and uh there are uh there are a number of things that, that you really should be doing if it's something you want to get into and a lot of it's common sense stuff like uh um everybody should have a website now you know it, it, the easier you make it for someone to find more information about you um you know the more they'll they'll you know be able to trust you the quicker they'll be able to say okay well this guy's you know, legit or he's just learning but we can put him on this film set and and you know see, see, see what you can see what you can get by just you know giving yourself as much exposure as possible um and i think probably the most important thing to do um and i know it sounds really old school but man if you don't have business cards with all your stuff on it uh boy you are wasting some great opportunities uh, hmm. if you go if, if you go to a film set and you don't either have uh you know business cards or your resume and all that stuff and you don't walk away with like six or seven new business contacts you're totally doing it all wrong totally doing it all wrong um and uh I, and i have met quite a few people i've ended up working with just that way it's really old school everyone's all about you know you know well what can i do on the internet well no you just need to get out and talk to people face to face because that's it's how you build a relationship it's actually interesting that you brought that up because just recently at the last, uh, this week is the American film market in Santa Monica and I'll okay. be down in, uh, California, you know, next week for the tail end of it. But last year I was there. You'd be amazed that the, the American film market where people are buying and selling films, um, the, the use of social media was almost non-existent where I've been at other mm. conferences and events where, um, people were, you know, something like South by Southwest, South by Southwest in terms of that's what made Twitter, Twitter. I mean, there's a group of people that show up and they understand the use of social media to understand what's happening in the event of where to show up where people are meeting up or, you know, sh sharing information and things like that. Um, there's certain people who do it really well. Like they're at an event and they're able to, uh, live tweet what's going on, you know, just those types of things. The American film market was completely dead. So you're, the reason that's important is a lot of the industry um, movers and shakers still movers and shakers, but people that have the influence in the, your decision whether or not you're going to get the job or not are still sort of old school. They are, like you said, they still require, they want to see a business card. Like they, they are not as tech savvy as you think they are, you know? <laughs> and, and that's exactly right. I'll tell you, I, I recently did, it was probably about a month ago now. I just did a, a really cool short um, and a coordinator hired me. And uh, this guy is legit. You know, he like, he, he used to live in the LA area. Uh, he's been somehow made a living in the, in the Midwest doing film and entertainment. The guy's been around, he's really clever. And, and uh, he just, I think it was two or three weeks ago, just got his first smartphone, which he was all excited about. It's so amazing. Yeah. I know there, there's something to be said about, you know, going old school, get out your Rolodex and start taking notes. And, uh, and that's the way to meet people because people don't realize that, you know, the people in the industry who can actually hire you guys who are trustworthy enough to be stunt coordinators, they're all way older than the rest of us. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's true. You just don't connect with the same we do so you have to kind of i don't want to say you know go down to their level but you have yeah. to connect with them in a way that makes sense to them so right i mean it's and they're probably not on social media i mean it's interesting exactly. but if you could if you could find like their address and you could actually send they send a mail or a letter or introduction yeah. letter you know it's uh, at their offices i mean <laughs> I mean, way back in the day, that's what they used to do for screenwriters, you know, sending query, you know, letters and things like that. And now everybody's just operating on online. But 
the in the world of the stunt performers, I could totally see that where there's that group of people that are uh, some are probably savvier than others, but you know, you're you're right. They're still understanding the ecosphere or this the structure of like who's hiring who, and then right. how do you communicate with them on their the method that they like to be communicated with. In, right. In, exactly. in business, they have the same thing too. Like. Um, it's like certain people prefer just being a, call, a phone call and other people like email, other people like letters, other people like text. It's like, so knowing who, who that influencer is and knowing how they prefer to communicate, you just have to adapt yourself to that method. Uh, so, you know, like that's sort of just any networking, any, you know, reaching out and connecting with somebody who's has an opportunity to uh, expand, you know, expand your career. And so with that said, yeah. You actually, tip number four, you had asked the question of how do you let people know what that you've entered the industry and how do you build your network? So we can kind of get into this more, you know, like when I love that when you says, well, how do you, okay, I'm ready. I've gone to school. I'm, I'm fit. I, I know how to do some stunts. Like, how do I enter the industry and let people know like, all right, I'm here. And then we can go down like some of the basics of uh, what the experts tell us about networking. Right. So what, what's your take on it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just like anything else. If you have a, a great skill or a great product and nobody knows about it, what good is it, right? Um, yeah. We're lucky enough now so that, you know, email has been around long enough so that even a lot of these old guys have gotten into email. Like, you know, some of them are still on, you know, Juno or Hotmail or whatever the old <laughs> right, ones are. Right. But, they're, but they're still check them on a regular enough basis so you can get in contact with them. And... uh and, and that's, that's one tactic that I use a lot is, you know, email because it's so quick. You can make a form letter, you know, just fill in the blanks and send it out to as many people as you can find. Um, but the trick becomes, okay, well now, you know, now I, I, I have a strategy. I'm going to just email all these great scent coordinators. Okay, well, where do you get their email from? You know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's where you really start to have to get creative. Um, and man, I'll tell you, and I'm sure it's, it's the same on your end. Um, if you're not hustling, you're just not going to make it work. Being successful in film, it's all about the hustle. You got to be creative and think of new ways and all this stuff. So um, what I did when I was getting started, um, you can use a, There's a ton of free resources out there. Um, and one of the most powerful assets that I've ever come across is the, uh, the film office. Um, and every state has a film office. It's ah. a, a section of section of their government. Yeah. And uh, each one of those, as you, I'm sure you know, they have a production guide. And the production guide lists, you know, uh, every service or talent or person that a, a, a film might need in that local area to get the job done. Um, most, you know, uh, stunt coordinators or stunt performers who know what they're doing will have themselves listed in that directory so it's easy for people to find them. Um, and if you want people to find you, you're going to leave your contact information. So, uh, what I did is I went, you know, into, I started in Boston, um, uh, went into the Massachusetts film office uh, and I made a huge list of all these people in, in the, in these directories. Okay. So, okay. Uh, stunt coordinators, people who can hire me. So I started with them first. Okay. So, uh, you make a form letter. Um, you say, uh, Hey, I'm this person. Um, I just, you know, went to training out here. I've done, you know, these projects. Um, you know, please keep me in mind for, you know, if you have any future projects coming up, you need someone who can do this and this, you know, list your specialties and whatnot. And, uh, I think that a lot of people don't do that one because they haven't thought of it or two, because, uh, it's kind of like cold calling, which yeah. I think a lot of people are kind of scared of, but, uh, you just have to keep in mind, uh, the community is small and people are generally pretty cool. I got so many great responses like, oh, hey, you know, thanks for reaching out to me or, yeah, I'll definitely keep you in mind or you should talk to this person. So it's definitely good to at least, you know, uh, even if you don't get work out of it, you can email probably 100 people, you know, and maybe get, you know, a couple gigs out of it. But it's totally worth it. Yeah. Um, and once you finish with a stunt coordinator list, you move on to your, you know, stunt performer list. And those are, you know, other guys like yourself self who are maybe just getting in. Um, who have been in for a while and, and may become stunt coordinators soon. So it's always good to connect to these people. So you reach out to them and say, hey, I just wanted to say, hey, I'm this guy. I'm new to the industry. I can do this, this, and this. And, you know, if you if you have any training going on, you don't mind having an extra person around, you know, let me know. I'd love to come down, meet you, all that stuff. Yeah. And you're really just building 
building friendships. That's all that business, any business is all about is building great relationships. Like I said, I've been working for that same stunt coordinator who hired me for my first gig. It's, you know, it's 2000, you know, almost 2016 now. And she's been several years since I met that guy, but he keeps calling me. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Then I mean, like you said, um, if you're starting out brand new, like a person has worked already is like, you know, that's one more person or like one more gig that they have than that you've had. So even if they're working as a stunt performer, they, they might have a call sheet still on their file. Meaning like in the call sheets, give all the information of everybody who's working on that uh, project. And like I'm out here, I do some part-time acting in Portland. So obviously we have an agent, you know, I have an agent. Uh, do st stunt performers have agents? Not that I've seen. I think that everyone just kind of goes on their own reputation. Okay. And your, repu your reputation is everything. Um, because like I said, stuff gets around really fast. Yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. So right. one other thing you could add in there, some of the experts would say, like when you're doing networking or pseudo cold calling, which is, first of all, that's fantastic. Going to like the film office and just get in the directory. Right. Um, because if you are approaching your hunt or your hustle as if you were a producer with money needing to hire a crew, you know, these people, these coordinators, they want to be found because they need to get hired. You know, it's one of those things like exactly. they're not trying to hide. So as long as you can find their information <laughs> coming from that perspective of like, okay, I'm a producer. Imagine I'm a producer with the money. Where do I find these people? Now that I've had their contact information, now I can reverse uh, the thinking pattern. Now I'm a performer looking to get in front of them to say that I have value, um, you know, to get possibly get some work from them. Now, the interesting thing is the experts would say like in your networking uh, approach is in the email or something, you can identify, personalize the email to that spe specific person in, in a sense like I, I've seen you've done whatever or I'm aware that you've done this type of work or uh, these types of shows or this commercial or this movie. I love the scene. Like, get specific. Like, I love the scene here. I'm not too sure if that you had involvement with that, you know, but that was amazing to me. Um, anyhow, some sort of relation where you said it looks like you've done your homework. Like, like, oh, oh cool. Uh, yeah. You, you know, and then. Uh, 100%. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Matt. No, I was going to say, no, that, I mean, that's 100% right. I mean, every, everyone, uh, you know, whether they realize, you know, that it's flattery or not, everyone likes a little bit of flattery for sure. And, yeah. uh, yeah, you never want to send off any email without, you know, um, something something really specific. You know, obviously you're going to use the person's name, and and actually I can't remember if I've actually used the, you know, throwing in the bits, you know, from things that they've done in the past. That's actually pretty good. I'm going to write that down. Maybe yeah, I mean, uh, it, it takes a little bit. Later. It's pretty good. Yeah, it takes a little bit more work, but it's, that's the extra hustle. That's just to get yourself in because you may not, you might find that somebody you worked with, like I just worked a job, the stunt coordinator was so-and-so, they mentioned that they had performed under you and had such a great time. It's one of those things like, oh, cool. So it's like in a very quick way, you complimented the stunt coordinator by saying, exactly. I, I work with somebody that you worked with before. Um, I had a great time and they mentioned highly, you know, whatever, that how well you've done. So it's, it's sort of like you're kind of name dropping, but there's still relations where right away somebody says, Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that guy. Or, you know, you hope that it, you know, you hope that the name that you drop isn't a bad name. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, I hate that guy, you know, whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah. Um, but there, right, but it right. shows that you're working and, and that's, uh, that, you know, anything to get the next conversation. And that's sort of like what copywriting is in terms of marketing is the art of copywriting is anytime we see like a sales page or anything online or in magazines is the copywriter has to make the headline extremely attractive. And the, the whole purpose of the headline is either online that you're clicking. So sometimes we call it click, click bait where you're clicking something and shows you something not totally re anything related to the, the headline and, or the headline is provocative enough that makes you want to read. So your headline in your, um, uh, email for networking uh, could be interesting enough. And so it might be like, hey, um, I don't know. So Mr. So-and-so stunt coordinator and the subject line might be like, um, I loved the scene from, you know, if you know their work from this movie. 
and then maybe do a dot 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 ellipses something by adding like a question mark or or something where the the sentence is incomplete in terms of uh of your subject line there's something about they the experts say there's like this human nature that we all just want to fill we we need to it's our ocd we need to be complete like if you had a email headline that says did you know that one out of every five stunt car drivers have and then you don't finish the sentence in this in the email subject line you're like what so you're like you gotta click it and then they have to finish reading it but that's the whole purpose of like copywriting is getting that headline to make people read the second line and as long as you can keep them going down as uh, joe sugarman uh expert copywriter uh, talked about which is down a slippery slope <laughs> so it's like you're you're just trying to get them to see as long as we open the email and it doesn't look like blocks of text like it's a lot of open white spaces easy to read you know if they're if they're intrigued by your subject line and then uh they get to introduction like hey you know did you know that one out of every five stunt stunt car drivers do this and you probably do because you know you've been doing this for a long time and i love the scene from you know what i mean all of a sudden you're giving compliments and says i like to introduce myself i'm so and so i'm in this area i've worked with this person before and they mentioned that you're one of you know one of the best persons to reach out to it's one of those things like a, if you can craft your email to be somewhat like a copywriting i mean it still has to be personal it still has to be realistic it can't be salesy but there's there, there are those tricks that uh copywriters use to get their stuff opened you know uh, think about this. Type. I don't know. It, it's it might help for anybody out there if they're trying to get like a, a somebody read their script or or you know get noticed as an actor. Those types of things. Yeah, one hundred percent. I agree with you. I mean, um, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, what's industry standard for email open rates? Like eight or nine percent? That's really yeah, something, lousy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, if you're put, if you're putting in the effort of you know sending to a hundred people and nine people open it, oh man, that's no good. But yeah, that's that's really great. Um, and uh, it, this is all really interesting to me too, because you know I've started uh, running a website now, and so all this internet marketing stuff kind of plays right up in my mouth. So, so yeah, I mean, absolutely agree with you. Yeah, so I mean, it's always good. There's like you're writing blog posts now, and so it's like as you're writing for your website, the blog posts are always great if they always have something like you know, ten ways to do blank, um, you know, how to do blank without blank. <laughs> Meaning like, like how to become a stunt car driver without killing yourself or like how to, or you know what I mean? It's like, it, you can replace it. Like how to become an independent filmmaker without ever moving to Hollywood, you know, or, you know what I mean? Right. So there's those types of like standards that seem to always work. And it doesn't matter what, you know, what you fill in mad lib wise, what you fill in, I'm sorry, as I bumped my microphone, uh, what you fill in there, it, it seems to work. So, uh, yeah. So now we're talking yeah, about, I agree. I mean yeah, the ne the different tactics uh, uh, for the networking on via email. Um, so that brings us like number five. So where do you go to get stunt work, and how would you create your own stunt work in a safe environment? Yeah. So like, let's. Uh, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people out there trying to. I've seen it enough online. A lot of stuff is not safe, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I tell people this uh, quite frequently. I say, hey, if there's no work, go out and make some. Okay. And a lot of people automatically think like, oh, okay, I got to, you know, write a, you know, make a movie, do a little stunt work. That's not what I mean. There are a lot of people out there who absolutely need a stunt professional on their set. They just don't know it yet. Like you said, I mean, you know, especially people who are getting started, um, you know, they, they think they can get away with, you know, pretty much anything. And sometimes you can, um, but it's just not worth it. So, and, and, you know, along the same lines, why would you want to spend all that time, you know, writing a film just so you can do a couple, you know, stunt scenes or whatever. So the goal is to find people who don't know they need stunt guys. Hmm. Um, what I did was um, in the Northeast, we have a, um, a couple different websites that um, list casting calls for independent films. And there, there's tons of them. There's probably like eight or nine new posts, you know, every day, every two days. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and you need to... Uh, start reaching out to these people who are making these films and even you know you're looking for casting calls you're not looking for stunt work so what you do is you 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 find these listings for casting calls and you start using the contact information say hey uh i saw you're looking for people for this film um 
I, I don't, I'm not an actor. I, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not responding to your casting call, but I just want to let you know that um, I, I, you know, I can do this, this, this for your film. It'll be safer. Um, the number one in, uh, way, in my opinion, to ruin a film uh, is to have crappy action scenes. That just, it just <laughs> it ruins, ruins everything. It really, really irks me. So if you can contact these people and say, hey, I can do this and I can make your film look way better in the end. And I can work with the actors you already have to give them some training so they can do some of their own stuff so you can get better shots. Um, and, and that's how you kind of open the door for people to start talking to. And the response rate on that is pretty great too. And I've gotten uh, the vast majority of my work has been from hustling, you know, doing stuff just like that, um, where people who aren't looking for a stunt guy all of a sudden are really interested in having a stunt. <laughs> Let me ask you, so that, first of all, these are two great tips you've given today, which is one, go to the film office to find out who the legit coordinators are if you're going down this path. The other one is to look for casting calls to help out uh, these independent productions, give that safety and legitimacy uh, to something they may have not have thought about. I know here in Portland, uh, there are a few handful of actors that or known in town to have like stunt background, stunt performer background, or they understand how to do stunt fighting. They're in the, the most safe way possible. So like they, they become sort of the go-to people in terms of production that happens uh, in town. And uh, so like you, if you know, you, you see it all the time. Somebody's maybe not be an actor. They just want to be the stunt performer or, uh, who's an actor who wants to get more into stunt performing. You know, they, they want to be able to know that they have um, their special skill set. It's like, not only can I, you know, ski, I can ski while being burned alive, you know, whatever it might be, you know, it's like, you know, whatever that, that uh, the skill or uh, the, the stunt might require. Um, and then the other thing, I just, I think that's great. Just the, the whole looking for the casting opportunities and introducing yourself that way to hustle for work. Right. I wanted to ask you um, about the safety stuff. So, sure. what if because so, a lot of independent productions start going, and a lot of independent productions don't have insurance, you know. And in in wake of what happened to um, Sarah Jones in the Midnight Rider uh, tragedy, where she was struck by an oncoming train on that right. independent film, and now there's the rallying call of like safety, safety, safety. So how does someone create their own work and how does someone, um, you know, handle it or you coming on like a stunt coordinator for an independent production, how would you handle the safety aspect of it? Um, one, I don't know if there's no insurance or one is like, how do you make sure everything's in place to, to handle the action stunt or something like that? No, that's a really good question. Um, Cause safety is everything. If, if someone gets hurt, I mean, that's, that's basically for the end for everyone who's involved with that project. Um, I, I'll tell you that on independent films, um, probably nine out of 10, uh, you're going to show up, you know, with your duffel bag, you know, which it has some, you know, just basic padding in it. And that's pretty much all anyone's going to need. Um, a lot of these guys, they, they either don't have the, you know, you know, the, the funding to do like a really cool stunt. If someone calls me up and says, all right, well, I want to uh, have this, you know, character, you know, fall off a three-story building. That's not a problem, but all of a sudden now you're moving, you know, a truckload worth of equipment. Um, it, sometimes it needs to be rented. And a lot of times independent guys just, they don't have the budget for stuff like that. And that's okay. So most of the independent stuff is actually fight choreography mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, footfalls or, you know, jumping off something that's not really that big a deal. And, uh, the safety concerns aren't too bad. Um, I can tell you that it is really easy to get hurt. Um, you know, even play fighting because everyone yeah. gets way into it and they want to look, look realistic and then somebody gets hit and then, you know, it kind of gets out of control. But um, when you're getting started, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to mitigate risk at that level. It's, it's pretty much common sense, but it's all stuff that, you know, a producer or a director, especially a new one, uh, doesn't necessarily think about, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. I was wondering uh, too, like, are there, cause you were mentioning about like st the stunt car driving. What are some of the most basic like stunts performed as a stunt car driver? Like that could be done in independent film. Is it just simply like driving fast and then doing like a, a like a screech or like, or like a, I don't even know what the, the term is, you know, like <laughs> uh, in terms of, uh, you know, on wet 
wet asphalt just to like spin or something just to, just to have somebody be able to like you know uh, burn the rubber on the on the, the back wheels you know just you know some somebody just might want that effect like so how would how would you go about doing those types of things in like an independent uh um scenario well i think that the uh probably the most common thing that you'll find you know not only at the independent level but even higher than that is um driving the camera car you know if, if someone wants uh, to get some, some moving footage all of a sudden you've got you know potentially expensive equipment that's mounted on really expensive equipment you know uh driving you know around in a way that you know maybe someone could get hurt so um, all of a sudden you're not a stunt driver you're a precision driver and that's that's just as marketable because there's a lot of work out there all those car commercials you see you know the brand new whatever bright red sedan it's sporty yeah, yeah. driving around well, there's a stunt guy driving that car in the commercial, but there's probably three more stunt guys driving the cars those cameras are mounted on. There's a lot of a lot of industrial stuff like that. Um, the I think the other um, probably the other most common thing is is just kind of uh, are you familiar with the the first Ace Ventura movie? I can't oh, think yeah. of another good example. Okay, but, yeah, uh, yeah. When he kind of going down the road and he, you know he kind of slides it like 180 like up to the curb kind of thing like that. Yeah, yeah. We get that a lot too because. I mean, the sound effects alone are really exciting. And, uh, I mean, the way you can film a car, you know, skidding out of control is uh, is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So those are really good days for sure. I was listening to when I was doing the research for this episode, there was an, a stunt car driver who was famous. I forget his name, but um, he was actually doing, you know, he's older and retired now, but in his youth, he was doing the tour of like, demolition driving um yeah. you know different types of race car driving or like stunt driving where it's like at an event where they're jumping ramps and you know evil knievel type stuff like yeah. that was his world so he was part of that circuit and then it then it because they were so specialized in what they did you know hollywood came knocking because like we need to have that guy do that for our film you know so um we're gonna go into this a little bit here about additional tips but um, I wanted to ask you in that respect, in terms of developing the skill set as a stunt performer, um, what other fields are out there, like in terms of stunt driving, uh, you know, martial arts, all that type of stuff that people are doing outside of the film spectrum, but then because they're so good or they're specialized in that world, um, can you use that? I mean, common sense says you should be able to use that to mark yourself into the film world. But I was just curious if you've seen more examples like that or has that changed since this uh, this famous stunt driver, which I can't remember his name. I will look it up. But <laughs> I, I, I think you're probably talking about Joey Chitwood. I'm not sure if that's him or not, but he was that sounds like a great of, name. Why not? <laughs> he pioneered the uh, kind of the live, you know, stunt driving thrill show type of thing. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned those shows because that is a vastly untapped uh, area uh, of, of really cool stunt driving. Um, I actually, I went out on part of a tour with uh, the Imperial Stunt Drivers in 08, and they were doing the same type of thing. They go to the fairgrounds, they crash the cars, they roll them over, they jump it, all kinds of fun stuff, okay? And I mean, I, I was able to, to get, you know, a full-time gig on their circuit for the summer, uh, just by emailing them and saying, hey, I'm this guy, you know, this is my demo video. And uh, really like to go out on tour, you guys. And a couple weeks later, they're like, hey, sure, why don't you come with us? And I was like, oh, awesome. And a lot of people, they, they just, like you said, they, they may not think laterally, um, but you can kind of leverage yourself both ways. You know, Reese Millen is, a, you know, a drifter, a race car driver. Uh, he, did, he did most of the driving in Tokyo Drift just because he's that specialized. And they said, well, yeah. we need an expert for this. But it works both ways, too. You know, if you're in the stunt industry, like, hey, I you know, I've got enough experience to, to go the other way. Let me get out of the uh, the film industry and try and pick up in another you know type of market with the same skill set. So definitely something that uh, you, people want to consider. You know, those those uh, those shows are, are kind of going away. I have my fingers crossed. I'm booked on another one this summer. And I hope <laughs> it goes. I hope it goes out on tour because it'll be a lot of fun. I mean, gosh, you know, I don't. It was a couple of years ago. I remember watching Tony Hawk created this boom boom huck jam thing where it was ridiculous it's like all these vert 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 skate uh, skaters uh yep. combined with bmx uh riders and then they had motocross so it was like in this yeah. arena like all three nuts all that stuff going on at the same time with some famous punk band like they had like social distortion i saw i saw it with devo but it was like it was just 
this over the <laughs> over this the sensory overload was just insane. It was like, look at all this <laughs> all this stuff going on, and then you know, and then you know, more motocross riders or you know stunt guys are just amazing to me. So, do you do you see that if you are also a precision driver or a stunt driver, the ability to ride motorcycles as well is a almost an important vital skill set to to have in your back pocket. Well, those two skills, uh, yeah. stunt, driving, uh, stunt driving a car and motorcycle riding, they cross a little bit, um, uh, but boy, they get a lot different really quickly the, the yeah. more things you do. Um, but big shows like that, you know, the guys who have the, uh, you know, the dirt bike guys and the skate guys and Nitro Circus, I mean, that's another huge okay. show that goes around and tours like that. But um, those guys all have their, you know, they're superstars, they're athletes that are on TV riding the bikes and stuff, but that is such a huge production and uh, there is a huge amount of safety that goes into a project like that that people don't think about and if you're looking for work um, i think it'd be a great idea to reach out to that production and say hey i'm a pro stunt guy i know you know all your actiony sequence you know type guys are already doing their things but you know i would love to be a crew member you know help you move stuff around and make sure everything th stays safe and stuff like that because there are so many behind the scenes guys who are getting paid great money who aren't necessarily getting the glory, but they're definitely inside that action, you know, action world. Interesting. That's really yeah. fascinating. Hey, yeah, let's... Man, it's all about the hustle. You just yeah. think of these different ways to get there. Definitely. And, and, and just, <laughs> well, it almost sounds like if you're, if you're in the world of uh, being a stunt performer, obviously safety's there, but there's a, the adrenaline rush is, you know, maybe the allure to it um, in a calculated way. And so that same, principles or disciplines can be applied to hustling for the work. We're like, Oh wait, you know what? I could do this. Yeah. It's good for your movie. No problem. Oh wait, there's an event. I'll, I'll help over here. Oh wait, there's a tour, you know, whatever. Like, let me help. Yeah. It's like, uh, the certain skill sets to be applied across different industries, which is fascinating. Yeah, um, exactly. When I go to this, uh, next stuff here is, um, the slides. This is some additional tips. Um, doing, like I said, doing some research for this uh, episode. So we got into like, again, if you're want to be a stunt performer, you're trying to market yourself or how to get, even get started in the stunt world. Um, the, some of these experts, they say that one, Oh, let me back up here. One thing is, do you even look like the movie star? <laughs> so, I mean, that, I mean, those are weird things that might come up, but you know, you actually might get a lot of work because your physique uh, the way you look uh, is similar to Tom Cruise or, you know, so whoever might be the, the top action stars, whatever's going on, you know, um, sometimes now they do it digitally where they, you know, take the face and put it on top. But still, if if you come pretty close to looking like um, a, one of the top action stars, you might find yourself working just because you look like the person. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I know a guy who, um, it didn't end up working out, but he almost got the, uh, got the, uh, the stunt coordinating gig for, uh, the first season of the, the Dr. Who relaunch. Cause he looked oh. exactly like Christopher Eccleston, Eccleston, I think his name Oh was. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was basically the, the, you know, and the fact that he had a lot of, you know, stunt experience, but that was really the defining factor for him, you know, being up for that role. So, I mean, if you're lucky enough, then shoot, you know, more power to you. Yeah. So there's, you know, we, we can't. We can't deny that there's these aspects of things that happen in your career if you're lucky enough to look like the star. One of my first jobs was because I looked close enough like the main actor in the TV show that I was second unit or um, the, well, I was the photo double. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Just because I looked close enough like the guy. So that's one of my, you know, gave me unfair advantage. Yeah. Um, the one thing they also recommend, like if, you're, if you want to start out as a stunt performer, you might want to start out as an extra. So you find yourself just getting work on uh, TV shows or movies as an extra. What that allows you to do is to get familiarized with the filmmaking process. But the interesting thing about the, the same office that has to cast and assign the extras to the production is also the same, usually the same casting office that deals with um, second unit or photo doubles, like how I, I got my job. But when you're on set, you end up knowing that if there's some stunts on, you know, that are being done, you can identify who the stunt performers are, who the coordinator is. And then, you know, lo and behold, you might find yourselves like having lunch or in the, in the breaks where you can have a quick talk 
uh, just to find out where they are, how they got started. And just because you're on set, you're there, you're serious about it, that you end up, you know, making the contact. You might have a reel. You might have show that you went to school. And just because you're on set, you know, they're working like, oh, yeah, yeah, here's my email or my Twitter or here's your business card, like you said, follow up with me later and then we could talk. So one way is just to get a job as an extra, start working on set and find out who the uh, the fight coordinators are, the stunt coordinators are, and just see if you just take your advantage when it's the right time that you're not going to, you know, uh, disturb production. But, you know, take that avenue to introduce yourself and see if you do have some work that way to get into the, the stunt side of things. So that's one thing's uh, additional tips. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I have a friend in uh, who, who was in L.A. for quite a while. And, uh, and and that's what she did. Uh, she went around. Um, and, and that's the other great thing about being an extra is that it, it, pay, it helps you pay your bills. And there's a lot of extra work out in, you know, L.A. and, and the big film hubs like that. And so that's what she would do. She would go on the set. She would work as an extra, get paid, and she would find out who the coordinator on the project was. And then she would kind of sneak away and she would call me. This was before, you know, we had smartphones and she would call <laughs> me and I'd, I'd look up the, the coordinator on IMDb for her. And I'd be like, okay, he's done this, this, and this. And then she would go introduce herself. And she made a lot of great contacts that way. And the, the other great thing about, you know, being an extra, if you can get on an extra on set as an extra, uh, in a union film, then you're, you have a potential to, to get your vouchers into the union that way as well. Yep. Yep. That's true. Yep. So then, um, nowadays, like, you know, you start GoPro in your own work, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, basically you can record your work. So we were mentioning you were doing like a, a, a tour with other stunt drivers or race car drivers and so on. Um, gosh, everybody's got a camera, you know, with their phone or something, or, you know, GoPros are so small and out of the way. You can just GoPro your work. Like if, if you're paying, getting paid anyway to do a gig, you can collect footage later on. More footage you have basically means more marketing materials. So in the Absolutely. world, of, so in the world of acting, there's you know you try to collect as much footage of yourself on camera uh, of all the jobs, the small and big that you have that build up your body of work. So the same thing would be true for a stunt performer is, you know, if you can do a stunt safely on your own accord, GoPro it, you know, film it, you know, and just add it to your body of work. Um, and like I said, even better, if you're making, you're actually getting paid to do some, some of the work itself for some kind of stunt tour, um, then yeah, this just adds to your resume for sure. It's just marketing materials, marketing materials, marketing materials. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I see GoPro cameras all the time, especially like, you know, fight scenes. You know, whenever they call, you know, the scene up next, you know, the stunt guys, they always get their cameras out, set them up kind of in the corner of the room. And then they get, you're right, they get all this really cool footage. They get to go back, not only to put in their reel, but they have kind of an instant critique of themselves so they can continue to become better as they go. Yeah, definitely. So it's, it's, it's exciting what, what's, what's available. So now that they also recommend uh, one of the additional tips becoming a stunt performer is you want to become an expert in more than one skill um, if you can. And so with that said, um, what kind of skills, right? <laughs> well, well, that's, that's yeah. where, uh, yeah, I mean, that's where these, these great stunt schools come into play. It's pretty much a one-stop shop for, for all of the really common stuff that you could get work for. Yeah, definitely. So these are the common skills that seem to pop up is uh, fighting, <laughs> um, being really good at martial arts. Mixed martial arts is really heavy now or you know it's not just one specialty um and then falling you know like you said you show up at an independent film sets your bag your duffel bag of pads like can you fall down these stairs you know or whatever it might be or, or fall into this or that so falling is important uh riding there's a lot of need for people to know how to like horseback ride or or other types of riding so um you know, maybe not as much as before, but be, that is such a huge asset. If anybody knows how to is comfortable on horses, they can ride horses. Even something simple is pretty scary for this the, uh, a novice. You know, just trying to control a horse by yourself to hit their mark. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, and then we were talking about driving, maybe cars and motorcycles. But you help. Uh, make a differentiate between the different skill sets, how vastly different they become very quickly. Um, and then agility and strength 
uh, this is just demonstrating your ability for like mountain climbing, rock climbing, uh, parkour, whatever it might be. So I, it's interesting. I, I think a lot of the motocross sports athletes are some of the most fit individuals. Like, oh, absolutely. There, there's, yeah, there's, and so in general, you want to stay fit and, and agile. Yeah. And then there's also other things like water skills. I mean, we were talking in the green room earlier about some of the people I follow in terms of the surfing world, some of these big wave surfers become like the go-to people when they need to make a film that deals with somebody looking like they're drown or, you know, wiping out or drowning in a huge wave because these are people who are comfortable in big, you know, big ocean settings. And that leads them to do other, you know, stunt work um, and water patrol and all these types of things. And then there's the mis miscellaneous type skill sets. Um, that's everything from under being comfortable with wire work you know, I don't know if that they taught you in the school, if you guys were able to do that in the schooling, but again, people are really comfortable with like, you know, wire work, you know, um, dangling, hanging for long periods of time, making it look like you're flying or whatever it might be, you know? Uh, so all these things, it's interesting. It's such a diverse amount of skill sets, but you can see if you're able to do a lot of these things, how much more markability you have and how much more value you would have to production if you could do a lot of these things and how much more, you know, money or paychecks you can make from that. So oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, because again, we were talking about um, women in the stunt world and you were mentioning on a job that you were working as a coordinator in where someone was asking if you can find this perfect type what is like sort of becomes like the perfect type of stunt woman that seems very hard to find in today's market <laughs> yeah i do <laughs> I, I get that pretty frequently uh people will uh, uh you know when we start talking about you know uh, you know being the coordinator we want to do this this and this and they always say well not always but frequently they'll ask me they'll say okay so uh we need uh, a a really attractive girl who is a you know a stunt driver and can do this 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 and i'm just like well i mean you and everybody else there just aren't a lot of them out there and uh, I genuinely believe, and I've told a couple of my friends this before. I said, "Hey, if you start, be, you know, going into the film industry and trying to get work, you will clean house. Everybody is looking uh, for that uh, capable uh, stunt woman. I don't know why. Uh, it's probably just a, a, a lack uh, in the market. We're just, I don't know. Maybe girls just aren't as interested in, in doing this type of thing. But uh, if there's some out there, they've got a great shot at, uh, at at making it big. I know someone in town." Um... Um, who might fit that bill? I'll send her your information after all this stuff. <laughs> please, please do. You never know. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's fascinating because um, I think in the early, uh, some of the early films of Jackie Chan, his fighting crew that he had, where he did all the choreography and stunt fights and so on, uh, there was a couple movies where they needed to play female characters. So if you look closely up, you know, slow motion, he'll take he would take his male um fighting a team and they would dress up in women's clothing to be the uh, doubles for the women that are supposed to fight you know um so you, you see that sometimes where a man a male that has a certain physique will actually have to dress up as a female for that, that stunt you know doubles performance and things like that so right right and that's always a pain for the coordinator and the director and whoever else is involved because a lot of times you just it just it, it you can't pull it off as well unless you have you know just the right size guy and that's where there's a hole in the market for these stunt girls because girls tend to be you know shorter or smaller sometimes than a lot of the guys and um i was mentioning earlier one of my friends um she does all of the uh stunt work on gotham for the character bruce because you know the kid who plays bruce i don't know his name but uh he, he he's pretty small and so is she, and it just works out, and it it just it works really well. Uh, I think that I think that you know, like I said, I'll say it again: if, if girls wanted to get into film, there's a lot of people looking for someone who are uh, smaller in size. So, yeah, that's a good point because you're essentially saying like, you know, we need smaller people to that look like ch children, you know, that could do yeah. the stunts. Uh, I think I was watching Insidious, uh, the second one, chapter two. And they had one of the ghosts uh, look like a little boy, but it wasn't. It was this uh, tiny woman, I think, that played this character. And, uh, you know, those are very specialized, you know, uh, people that can do those types of things. 
um, it totally makes sense. You know, uh, if, you, if you have somebody who's an adult who could do stunts for the, for the <laughs> child, that makes, <laughs> that makes it total, totally work. Um, <laughs> I also want to kind of talk about, we, we, you don't have to give too much away without the, you know, um, you know, ruining any reputations or something like that, but there's something we, we can't ignore, which is the politics in terms of every industry, every career has some sort of inner works, inner workings of how the politics work. Um, I'm assuming there's a lot of male stunt coordinators, like you said, and very, not as many female coordinators or female stunt performers. So with that said, you know, the overgeneralization is, uh, is it a, a boys club, a good old boys club in like in a good way or a bad way. And maybe understanding that, that world first. Um, and this is not just in stunt performing world. I mean, this is like the Hollywood studio systems, you know, they were looking at the number of, you know, male, white male executives, you know, and, and in terms of maybe not purposely, you know, trying to, um, dis discriminate or not to say that the stunt performers worlds are, but, Every world has some sort of weird inner workings of the politics. Um, can you give us a, maybe a little taste of like, you know, just something common sense wise that if somebody's looking to jump into the stunt performing world and they're trying to market themselves to maybe realize that maybe I'm missing something here that uh, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense if that exists or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that the best way to, to kind of break uh, break. Uh, the categories down in the film industry of the different types of people are people who have egos and people who don't have egos. <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will say most people in film, you know, if they're, if they're doing any type of uh, work, that's not grunt work uh, that I, I found that they normally have some degree of ego. And I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but um, stunt guys are really interesting because I very, very rarely encounter a stunt guy who has an ego problem or um you know or or a problem being a loud mouth or bragging the guys that i work with and know are, are really humble they're experienced they're quick to listen and that's one thing you really need to understand when you're getting into the film industry as a stunt guy i get this this is the, the thing i get the most all the time you know you, you meet somebody new who's not in the film industry you introduce yourself and you say oh you know well i do I do stunts and movies. And then this person, because they want to impress you, they go off. They go, oh, I'm, I'm this crazy guy. You know, I do all these crazy things. I, you know, you know, go drive crazy through town and never hit anything. And, you know, I jump <laughs> off all these crazy like, things. And like, well, that's nice. But that <laughs> no one is going to hire you if you're going to go around and talk like that. Because nobody cares about how good you are if you're not going to be safe. Okay. So the best way to make it in the industry is to be really reserved and polite and respectful and just try not to talk yourself up because your real is really going to be the defining factor if you're going to be good or not. And people, no one wants to hang out with that annoying guy who thinks he's better than everyone else. Yeah, uh, and it's it's it, it's important. That's really interesting. We brought up there, which is the the working professionals have safety in mind. I mean, really. I mean, that's and if you have that in the forefront, you're gonna not be so egotistical, you know, because you can't. You you you're facing your. Um, your mortality all the time and to some extent. So there's, there's, there's some way of inherently becoming humbled by all that type of stuff. So exactly. The industry is very good at filtering out those people. It just kind of happens naturally. I, I, I wish I could explain it a little better, but those people don't get work and thank goodness because we're all safer for it. Let me ask you what, um, what, what was the moment that you wanted to, to like go fast in a car? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I grew up watching the uh, the Dukes of Hazard television show. Yeah, uh, and it is so much fun that show. I love that car. It's just going all over the place. And it's always sideways. And the more I watched it, I was just kind of like, "Why is that car going sideways and not crashing?" So you think about it and think about it, and then you know eventually you go try it, you know, in the snowy parking lot somewhere, and it just is uh, so much fun, and you just <laughs> get hooked. And that's how I was. And when I was in Seattle, I actually got to work with. Uh, uh, Steve Buckley, who was one of the original drivers on that show. That was my crowning moment. Uh, it wasn't on a film set. He was training me. But, man, that was the cool. I think that was probably the coolest part of my career was really meeting that guy. Wow. Let me um, – what was the first sort of stunt you were able to pull off on your own in a car that made you go just like, you know, hoot or whatever? What was the reaction <laughs> from it? Or what even called a stunt? Was it just a simple slide out? Yeah, basically uh, – 
um, you know, you, you, you're driving, you know, in a, in a straight line, you know, it just, it doesn't even have to be fast. That's what, that's what's so great about snow is that everything happens so slowly and you don't have to be going quickly. Um, but basically you go and you just pull the e-brake up and the car will just start to spin in either direction. And that's the moment where you go, aha, that's your aha moment. And you go, <laughs> now I understand why all this stuff is happening. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. I had, um, years ago, my younger brother, my younger brother's always been into like cars, you know? Um, growing up in Southern California, he, I think he had like a 68, uh, silver Corvette that he refurbished <laughs> and he got sold that, got some other car he have, and there was a time where he needed to move his apartment. So he needed to borrow my truck. So I was stuck with his car for a couple of days. His car was like this Toyota Supra, Toyota Supra twin turbo <laughs> engine, like awesome. totally, I think illegal <laughs> on the street. It's like the stuff in, in Southern, those people, you know, in Southern California, but there's they have illegal street racing, you know? And so I, yeah. I have a feeling my, my younger brother was part of that circle, but anyway, the, uh, <laughs> you didn't tell me, but I'm driving this car and they in, in Southern California traffic. I mean, it's like huge freeways of like five lanes, you know, and they're not highways, not two lane highways, like big five lane, you know, wide open. And you're used to everybody's like going 70, 80 miles per hour anyway. You know, that's like right. the standard, but this car, I was, you know, in my hands, I'm just driving. And then I, I can't, you know, when you need to accelerate in like on a, you know, yeah. like, like super fast. And then, but the braking was ridiculous too. Like it stopped on a dime. Yeah. And I was just like, I was, I was like, whoa, like it was like almost too much car for me. But in terms <laughs> of like the, the ease of it was that I didn't even realize I was almost going like a hundred, like 90 and hundred miles per hour because the car never shook nothing. It was just like as smooth as butter. And I'm looking right. down at this, you know, speedometer going, Oh my God. Like, and you know, my brother's gone and had an opportunity like to, to race speedways, you know, as, uh, you know, uh, with, when you pay to do those types of things. So, sure, sure. um, yeah, there's a thrill of it. Um, I had it for a split second and then I'm like, no, not you know, like that. That's just not in me. Like I just don't have that. I mean, it, it's, it sounds fun, but, I might do it on a, on a raceway, but I was just curious yeah. of when you did the first slide out, when was the first time you got the first sensation of speed? Oh yeah. That is a really good question. Um, oh, that is a really good question. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm pretty cautious. Uh, uh, my nature is to be cautious anyway. So I, I never speed on the street. Uh, I don't like it when people do it. Every time someone rides with me in the car, they're like, dude, aren't you a stunt driver? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but I'm still alive, and this is my Honda Civic, and I like it that way. <laughs> um, but probably the first time was actually uh, uh, at the uh, – it was the Driver's East uh, High Performance Driving School in Wall, New Jersey. Uh, what a great school, by the way. I got to say, the guys who were teaching there – when I was there, they had just got, you know, just done filming uh, Spider-Man and Born Ultimatum. And all these guys are at the top of the food chain in New York, right? So these are the guys who are actually, you know, full-time working in the film industry, teaching you how to do it too. And they have, they rent part of the runway down there and they have their own cars dedicated and they'll, and it's awesome. And you, you get to get that speed and they'll show you how to slide the cars around and do a little drifting. And that was really it for me. I was like, okay, well, my cautious nature, I can let it go here because this is what this place is for. And after that, if someone wants to be a stunt driver, uh, you know, I highly recommend it. But you have to have uh, a place to practice. You have to have permission to use it. You have to have a, a dedicated car and all that stuff. All you know, the guys going out on the straight doing this stuff like that. I absolutely do not endorse that at yeah. all. Yeah, interesting. I know that I think Bobby. So Bobby Orr has like a yes. one of the most famous like race yeah. car, uh, stunt car driving schools there is, I think, yeah. in like Florida Definitely. and I think it's another place. I don't, I think it's both coasts. <laughs> I think it might be in Oregon, actually. I just, I think that kind of comes to mind. I'm not sure. I can see that. There's a lot of open land over here. <laughs> <laughs> Some good old boys, yeah. you know. <laughs> sure. Well, listen, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It was such a unusual, like, out of the norm uh, request in terms of just reaching out uh, about sure. this topic, but I go, yeah, this is a really kind of an interesting thing. And you do see a lot of um, independent filmmakers going out there and having some sort of action scene. I mean, there are, <laughs> there's more and more of it now. It's uh, it's there, uh, you know, um, gosh, some of the, some of those independent like fight scenes I've been watching, just people that are comfortable in sparring then deciding to choreograph just the fight scenes, it's just bananas. So it's, oh, uh, sure, it's, yeah. uh, 
definitely, I think, a topic that was worth uh, exploring. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Cool. So let me do uh, a little bit of paying the bills here, <laughs> meaning that um, there's some graphics here. So for anyone who's stuck around this long, then I say don't go away empty-handed. You know, uh, if you're making a film, you might want to get some video-on-demand sales projections. You know, if you're trying to build a uh, budget for your next film, if you also just want to know like what the realities are on video-on-demand and digital downloads, then you can get this free digital download and VOD report over at freevodreports.com. Um, it's all free. You get one every week. Um, I write one up every week, uh, the analysis and reporting. And, uh, and I think it's really useful if you're going down this path. If you know that your film is going to end up being sold on VOD and digital download, then this report might just help. Again, that's freevodreports.com. And... There's the link. And that's it for this episode of Film Trooper Presents Film Marketing Fridays. I'm Scott McMahon, and we can say bye to Matt. For, thanks for coming on. You can say bye, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me, Scott. Great. Thanks, everybody. I'll catch you next time.